Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Good Friends Podcast. Episode, I don't know, 11? That sounds about right. That sounds right. I really regret ever doing the volume two situation because it really just threw us for a loop. Yeah, that was a really dark period of our lives. Yeah, I think the fans will refer to that as the dark ages. But anyway, we're back. We're back, you guys. It was a... uh... It was a long delay. Ooh, we're not going to tell you why it was a delay, but good, potentially good news is on the way. Yeah, poten- I guess. Yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. We'll Janet see. just got back from the doctor, so we'll see. She has chlamydia, um, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, so yeah, you know, we just, I think it's safe to say that the Good Friends podcast is just something really emotionally draining and we always just need time to process for a few weeks after, you know? Yeah. You know, we're just so happy to be back. Thank you guys for welcoming us into your homes, your ears, your cars, and your hearts. And your hearts. And uh, your hearts. But you know what I do want to talk about, Rod? Let's do it. I really want to talk about this kooky as hell Scientology documentary. That was my name. I think the original title was Kooky as Hell Inside Scientology. That was my Nancy Grace impression. The devil is kooky. Nancy Grace would have a field day if she tuned into Going Clear on HBO last weekend. She would have just been screaming like, you think there's aliens and volcanoes? That's what <laughs> To, like, her glass of white wine. Like, she's such a freak. But everyone in Scientology is a freak. She's probably a Scientologist. She's such a freak. It's starting to make sense. I think she probably is a Scientologist. She is. I feel like if we go back and actually watch the show, every once in a while she'll, she'll probably say something like, as someone who was birthed out of a volcano trillions of years ago, I think what's happening in Florida is a disgrace, but nobody noticed. I thank Xenu every day that I have a, I have a ceiling over my head. <laughs> well, looks like Xenu has failed the country today because Casey Anthony's walking free. Everyone's like, whoa, what did you just say? What's Xenu? She's a freak on a freaking uh, lardo leash. Anyway. I hate. That was a, that was a, that was a good Nancy Grace tangent. But. That was. We should have one. We should have a segment called Nancy Grace Tangent where we just do a Nancy Grace impression of a topic. Yeah. But, Jack, that documentary... Yeah, it was pretty crazy. truly kooky as hell. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Do you want to tell our listeners what we're talking about in case they don't know? The HBO documentary Going Clear that um, premiered a week ago. Uh, Yeah, it was just kind of crazy. It was crazy. Kind of lifted the top and let us peek around a little bit. You got to see uh, how creepy the, the lead Scientologist, David Miscavige, how weird he is and kind of painted him as this power-hungry dude and kind of they explained like the history of L. Ron Hubbard and how he was kind of just sailing around looking for a way to make some money and you know I don't know it was funny absolute freak yeah he was a freak and the the best part I think was the fact that he like wrote to the Veterans Association was like hey I think I might need some psychiatric help and just that you know 
the way that veterans get treated, they didn't, <laughs> they weren't even able to like follow up on this guy's request. It's insane. uh, It's insane that the lack of support for veterans is such a problem that the ripple effect has now destroyed Tom Cruise's career. Scientology. It's so grand. Like, Born on the Fourth of July, literally that movie is, in a way, responsible for Scientology, the very religion he leaves in. So that's (laughs) crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. The whole documentary was crazy. And I think this was, like, our most intense look into Scientology ever. It's based on a book. Which I didn't read. Yeah, based on a book uh, that kind of goes over like the history of Scientology and and where it is at today, and it kind of uh, the the documentary was interesting because one of the main dudes who was getting interviewed was the author of the book, and he kind of just goes through the step by step like life of L. Ron Hubbard. He kind of <laughs> started out as this like science fiction writer, and then oh, figured out people really like buying self help books, so he kind of like figured out this you know way to get people to open up about their history and their lives and then ultimately use that information as like leverage later on which is yeah it's literally like the type of shit the most rude popular girl in your high school would do it'd be like like, he's literally just a mean girl yeah right it'd be like if your therapist all of a sudden like took all the sensitive stuff you talked with you know her or him about every day and then went ahead and like tried to like you know tell your best friend or like tell like your wife or tell like you know what whoever 100 percent. or a more apt analogy would be if your therapist took every secret you ever told and threatened to tell everyone you love unless you promise to believe that aliens live in volcanoes you hear and you read quotes about certain guys who were involved with scientology early on in their career like jerry seinfeld he had some quotes early on, or like in, you know, a couple of years ago, where he was talking about how he's like giving Scientology credit for like helping him out at the beginning of his career. But oh my god, really? I've yeah, never but heard that. Jay I think a lot a of people. No, he's not a former Scientologist, but I think what he's talking about, he's like, oh, he did some Scientology courses. You know, I don't think he ever considered right. himself a Scientologist. But I think, right. I mean, the reason why people are drawn to it, I think, is because it helps. I don't know, it gives people confidence, I think, you know? Just like a therapist would or someone that you talk to about your problems, a priest or, you know, someone in religion. Totally. Yeah, okay, well, that that is actually the most interesting thing about about Scientology, which is sort of like what the documentary sheds light on, which is that, like, it's an 18,000-part process, pretty much. And for the first half of it, yeah, you're just, like, emotionally processing all the baggage in your life you know it's just like you're going through memories that you have and you're confronting them in an effort to like you know re-enter the memories to diffuse any of the energy and power that they have which you know to a degree is like just an intense like way of saying you're confronting your past you know it's just like you're dealing with your baggage but then by like step 10 in the process suddenly not only you've become not just financially indebted to Scientology but like totally emotionally indebted because Scientology has been the way in which you've like worked through so much of your damage that when they unveil the next part of the processing which is basically that the entire history of Scientology is like some kooky ass alien mythology you're so wrapped up in buying everything that they're selling that you don't even think twice about it and you have to live yeah. and you have to do it yeah it's like you invest all this time and money and then they like pull the wool over your eyes and you're like, well, guess I'm staying a Scientologist. Yeah. Like, ooh, none of that's adding up, but my 
checking account is cleared out. So here <laughs> we go for another like twenty years. And you signed a contract. What did you say for like a billion years? No, Whoa. no, that was so they have then they have like the the people who run Scientology is called like the Sea Org, right? And so when you sign up for the Sea Org, you sign a billion year contract where you're like working for them for a billion years. Like, yeah. So every single life you have, every single, you know, reincarnation you have, you're, you're a Sea Org oh, member. If you were someone who was formerly Hindu and like couldn't like fully get rid of those ideas of reincarnation and then you became a Scientologist, you would literally be in your mind signing away every single life you've ever had and will have to this truth so freaking gram i mean the whole thing is just like really 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 crazy um the okay i feel like we should give the synopsis of like what the reveal is of like scientology's like historical like story like the story that they basically tell you which oh the, is, the, myth- I tell- the mythology uh, behind the mythology yeah yeah the creation yeah, story the- the Go slice of fiction, as I call it. Yeah, so basically the entire idea of Scientology that you're told halfway through the process, once you're already in deep, is that the Earth is not like 6 billion years old, but is actually like 25 trillion years old. And that like a- alien, like on another planet in another galaxy, there is this planet in space where like everyone on it sort of looks and live is like we did in the 50s like relatively industrialized like sort of advanced enough technology wise like they're living normal lives but there is this like totalitarian alien leader named Xenu who <laughs> <laughs> takes a lot of the people of that planet and puts them in like I don't even know like yeah. frozen beds or something sends them off away from their like crazy planet into what he calls the prison planet which is Earth my favorite part of that story, hold on, wait, my, my favorite part is that he, like, sends everybody in spaceships that look exactly like uh, airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody thought twice about the fact that this isn't even a well, like, imaginatively interesting designed theory. Like, none yeah. of it. Like, literally none of it. Like, all of the drawings are like, airplanes, these crazy aliens. They look just like the silhouette of humans. Like, yeah. they would drive these pods around. They look just like cars. Like, what? This guy didn't even, like, really rewrite anything. So the theory is that, like, these aliens were thrown out of their, like, future planes and thrown into volcanoes in the prison planet of Earth. And when the volcanoes blew up, like, and, like, created life as we know it or whatever, um, those alien spirits, like, entered the human body as we're born. So, like, each one of us has, like, maybe a hundred of these alien prisoners. They're called thetans. In our body. What are they called? They're called thetans. <clears throat> oh, my God, yes, exactly. Your memory's so good. Yeah. Starting to think you might actually be a Scientologist, we'll get to that later yeah. um, and the entire idea of Scientology is that all of your neurosis and your like psychosis and trauma is actually just like these crazy ass like alien volcano spirits that Scientology will eliminate through processing or through the process of going clear which is basically when you like pass a given section and like work through all of your baggage yeah they, they call it auditing they call that process auditing auditing Right, right, right. Okay, You're, the amount that you remember is actually so dark um, that I just don't know if I can trust you anymore. It just seems like it's an entire business model built on guilt. 
and making people feel guilty and emotionally like just devastated you know yeah will you explain the sea org drama to our listeners who maybe did not see this documentary i recommend everyone see it because your mind will be blown yeah no i mean basically the people in the sea org were like kind of treated crappy but i think it's the point is like you know like when you join like a clergy if you're a monk they make you do like hardcore stuff like not talk and like walk around in the hood and like shave your head I think this is a, the way the Sea Org operates is the same way that they, uh, where they have like kind of inhumane conditions. They do all this work like 13 hours, 14 hours a day. They don't sleep a whole lot. They don't make like hardly any money. And then, like, if they do poorly, they get sent to this like crazy holding cell area called the the hole i think it's called or the the... right like the two the two trailers place yeah the two double y trailers and yeah they just have like fucked up they play like fucked up mind games with these people but yeah it's so sad they had a bunch of they had a bunch of like sea org members on there and they were like yeah at the time if you had like bust in on the door and like open the door and turn the lights on and like looked at all of us who were getting like messed with and like asked us if we wanted to go free we would have said no we want to be here. The whole thing just made me want to throw myself out a window. The fact that they're like tax exempt and are like trillion dollar people, like company. I, I oh, want to yeah. just call them a company. The like taxes, I don't know what to call them. The the best part is they said that like the the like memberships uh, in Scientology are, are like on the decline like every single year. But the fuck, <laughs> the, the crazy thing is that they're still incredibly rich because they invested so much in real estate, like really expensive real estate. Right. They have like great real estate all over the world and so they're always going to have that that's like something that you know doesn't ever lose value right and you don't oh you don't have to pay taxes when you like flip money from real estate and put it back in the market well, but you don't so you, you also don't have to pay completely. taxes if you're fucking tax exempt just like Scientology oh, that's right. is yeah totally so it doesn't matter to them it's crazy I mean you're right that there's nothing really that much crazier about this than any religion but I think it's just the fact that it feels really current and it's like we're not far enough away from it for it to yeah. feel real. And they you know? like so clearly uh, like have human rights violations happen every single day. Right. That's the you thing. Know? Like if I ask them to explain to me what the religious beliefs of this organization is, just like what the fundamental principles of their belief system is they wouldn't be able to they can tell me like the science fiction movie that they believe in but like what are they like what do they do what do they believe in so yeah that's going clear that's scientology and that is xenu yeah <laughs> i want to talk to rod rod you were talking to me earlier and you were you were mentioning to me how if you took a sporting event the game's already been played you go back in, you edit out all the commercials and all the waiting around. If you were to ab- able to edit music and, and flashy shots into sports, you'd be into it. Girlfriend, I'll tell you what made me decide this. The emotional roller coaster that is canceled TV drama Friday Night Lights, <laughs> which I have been balls deep in. Okay. Literally gagging at the shaft of this show. Okay. It's... So good. I hate sports, and I cry during every single episode. I've cried like two thousand times. Every like episode, six episodes. Wow. I know. Well, you do the math. Tell I, me how many times I cried. I can't. I'm not gonna lie. I'm at least proud of you that you're not watching the Anna Nicole Smith show anymore. 
<laughs> you stopped watching your early two thousands reality show reruns, so that was a that was a dark binge. That was a dark that was a dark period of your life again. Uh, proud of you for moving on from that. I will say that I've never seen the show, although the movie was really good, and I've heard really good things about the show. Everyone loves the show. Uh, Boy, do they? Yeah. I feel like everyone really loves the show. It's like one of those shows. People love the show. It's one of those shows. It's like Scrubs. It's like the show that no one watched, but also has like a really strong following. Totally. You know? That's how Scrubs Yeah, was. totally. Except but, I like really, in retrospect, don't like... I feel like Scrubs will not age well, and I feel like Friday Night hmm. Lights might. Hmm. Interesting. But here's another uh, follow. Here's a follow-up question for you, sir. Yes, yes. Okay, so do you realize that um, Friday Night Lights is a fictional, dramatic show that isn't? I'm not. I, I've never seen it. I, I I don't know for sure, but I'm gonna go ahead and guess that it's not even half of the time like about football. Football. <laughs> like how much okay, actual? Like... How much actual football is shown on the show? Okay, so that's a good that's a good question. I will say this: unlike most shows that would be like you know tailored around a specific like industry or like art or sport, but that is like largely just like a teen show. Yeah. There's more football than there isn't. You know, like it's sort of it is about football, even when like football is not happening you know it's like about really it's about a lot of things it's sort of like <clears throat> it's about sort of like you know sports is like a ex- like a necessary ex- exit for like people living in small towns you know or it's like it talks about race it talks about class it talks mm. about um you know america like right during like the peak of like the iraq invasion and like reliance mm. on foreign oil and the way that like even those industries are sort of affecting small town America and it's like all of these through the prism of football and then like every two episodes there's like a big football game like so far what I've seen it's like <laughs> almost told in like week to week timeline I see. it seems to be so there's like a game every other episode because there's a game every other week pretty oh. much but it's like a lot about sports more than more than you would think would be in a show that I would be watching for right. Hmm. Sure. Well, I think the main like, way we can sure. we can test this theory is by sitting you down and showing you some totally sweet Tom Brady highlight montages that people create <laughs> online that are set to like Bon Jovi well, or this some other gives, crappy eighties. This, this is yet a, another ESPN pitch idea I have, which is Giselle Cam, which is Tom Brady's entire career retold through a camera Giselle. in Giselle's face in the stands. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I don't know. What do you think? I'd also watch. I'd also watch a show where it's Giselle going over Tom Brady's career because I think that would be kind of funny. <laughs> ESPN classics and ESPN Giselle screaming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just want to see Giselle kind of like you know not not get like every single detail of it correct and kind of just like hurry through it. <laughs> Yeah, totally. You know, he won, a, he won some Super Bowls. I don't know. The highlight is when Tommy caught the ball, and yeah, right. I said, yeah, Tommy! Right. Yeah. Or, like, whatever yeah, yeah. Like. yeah, that'd be good. I'd watch that. Um, yeah, I would totally watch But well, what do you think about my idea, which I dub ESPN Cinema? Oh, ESPN Cinema, where you recut the games with the music and the interesting stuff. Yeah. So, basically, what I got from Friday Night Lights was I love football when it's in montage like give it to me i can't stop crying it's gotta Um, be a montage 
yeah, give it to me in montage, especially now that, like, I really am realizing just, like, how much the actual filming of sports has gotten crazy because it's like everything's like on the field like it's not even just these like weird drone shots it's like literally as if like a cameraman is like on the field sometimes it just feels like the amount of kind of coverage like i don't mean that in terms like news coverage like literal like camera coverage that we can have now really lends itself to like truncated sports games like why is espn classics not just what i'm asking for (laughs) do you know what i mean like why are people watching espn classics in that it's just the same game told in the same exhausting amount of time so here we go i'm gonna talk to you a little bit about what's going on right now so there's a popular website on the internet called youtube (laughs) (laughs) and it's doing a lot of what you're talking about what, what do you think about the games being shorter? Do we like that idea so, of the game being two hours instead of four? Uh, which games are four hours? Football? Isn't football four hours? I think you're. I think you're embellishing a little bit. Four hours. I feel is, like football is one hundred percent four hours no, long. Four hours is a lot. I don't know. Four hours. You're I think telling you're, me it's a lot. I think you're yanking your chain there, sir. Yanking Maybe th- my own chain right all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's certainly three, three and a half. So. Uh, that is so long. I just feel like there's. Re- I just feel like this idea has legs, people. I want our listeners to weigh in. Would you watch something? With, would you watch a network that replays the game, truncated into let's say an hour and a half, no commercial break, made into basically a Remember the Titans esque final act? Every game. Okay, so your options are either that or watching YouTube. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Here's a here's a good question. Would the music always be uplifting, meaning that they always assume you're watching from the perspective of the team that's going to win? Uh, I mean, the only problem is maybe your favorite team doesn't win every week. Then what do you right. do? Right. If you're t- if yeah, like if, if imagine you only like teams that have always historically lost. Maybe the music you would want playing over the ESPN Cinema program would be like. A wog, like a Wagner death march, as yeah, opposed right. to a triumphant explosion in the sky. Track. If if you're a Raiders fan, you're just going to be listening to a whole lot of wah wah, <laughs> and then the Raiders soundtrack is actually um, just a live feed of pig farts. From <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm joking. The Raiders are they'll they'll be good one day, but they will. And then I feel if... like the Raiders, like the, their color scheme, their general aggression, they're the type of team that's going to do really well when the world goes to hell and we're like too dependent on peak oil and stuff like they're a team that's going to thrive during a dystopia yeah exactly and then the niners song would be something backstabby i don't know the game of thrones soundtrack the the uh what the reigns of castamere that's the that's the niners that's the Niners' uh, music. That See, they there's get... so much, right? I think yeah. you actually like this idea. I think it's good. How many channels does ESPN have? Like five? Uh, I don't know. They have they they got a bunch. They got ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN uh, News, ESPN uh, Deportes. They have oh. ESPN U. Uh, I don't what know. Is ESPN U. That's like. ESPN U is like um, lower level college um, athletics and oh, like sure. weird. Yeah, like UC Davis would be on ESPN U. Mm, or like Santa Cruz's um, really, really good shot put team. No, they wouldn't be on. 
Okay, loud and clear. I mean, I just really think of this idea as legs. I don't know who to pitch it to, who to talk to about it. Um, if any of our listeners have any ideas, any emails they want to shoot my way. Maybe you could start a hashtag. Ooh, I like that. E- hashtag ESPN Cinema. ESPN Cinema, and then we'll start a Kickstarter where, in exchange for a donation, we'll give you um, some un- unedited lost clips. <laughs> For everyone who donates to ESPN Cinema, you will receive one unheard clip of the Good Friends podcast. And trust me, you don't want to miss them. Yeah, they're unforgettable. They are unforgettable. Meaning that if you really, really, let's say, wanted to forget them like so much or whatever, like you just really wanted to, you couldn't. Yeah, it'd be tough. It would be really, it would require a lot of time and a lot of people to help you through it if you wanted to forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's ESPN Cinema. Um, so that's a good, you know, that's a good thought. I like that idea. Thank you so much. And you please me link over. me to some of these great YouTube videos so I can see what they did wrong and exploit it for when I sell it to a major company. Okay, will do. And awesome. now, uh, now it's time to get to our good friend of the week. G-F-O-T-W. Or Gufatwa. Gufatwa. We sound like Deontwood, like Gufatwa or yeah. whatever. Deontward. Deontward. Yeah. The L word. Um, do you want to say your good friend of the week first? Yes. My good friend of the week is the rumored inventor of the game baseball. Mr. Abner Doubleday. <laughs> so did nothing else happen this week that maybe inspired you to find a good friend? No, but it's... The uh, inventor of a centuries-old sport? Yeah, it's uh, opening day on Monday, so that's why. All right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. That's very timely. But sometimes. to be fair, uh, many speculate that baseball evolved out of the game Rounders and Cricket, um, and the Abner Doubleday creation mythology was kind of something that uh, was exploited by newspapers. Ooh, is that true? It's very true. I always just assumed baseball was another thing that white people stole from black people. Um, no. Well, it sounds like something, it sounds like your white privilege Baseball's... seeping on in, but <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it involved that of cricket and rounders, and those are very English, so... Yeah, cr- I've played cricket, and boy, do I hate it. Have you really? Yeah, I have. That's the one with, like, the little hammer, right? Mm, yeah, not a hammer. Uh, it's, like, it's like a big it's club, like a big. Club. It's, like, a big flat stick. Right, right. But it has, like, it has like a ha- like a sledgehammer-ish end, right? No. Oh, that's croquet. That's polo and croquet. You're thinking of croquet, dude. Oh, God, croquet is so boring <laughs> yeah and you have to hit yeah. it through those stupid uh like wickets yeah it's basically like golf meets horseshoe i was like okay you took the two longest most boring games put them together and made them longer like what but no on one earth? i mean no one watches croquet that's like a sport they played in the victorian age yeah it's so nasty like anytime you see like a period piece that takes place like i don't know like across the pond or something like downton abbey like you always know people are rich and smart if they're playing that game and it's like are you joking like literally these people are probably so 
boring. They'd be the worst people to have at a dinner party. They only talk about like, oh, like, did you see that little mouse like go under that cupboard or like whatever those people talk about. Yeah, yeah that game sucks. So tell me about Double Day. What is what makes him so special? Why are <laughs> you continuing this lie that he created baseball? Uh, I'm not continuing the lie. I think it's just kind of a funny name. And then it kind of, <laughs> one, it's a funny <laughs> name. Sure. Two, it aggravates you. And then three, uh, it's opening day. And he's like, yeah, he's like, some, you know, he would be the person to peg to peg, uh, you know, the invention of the sport on someone. Right, like we wouldn't have this Monday without this idiot. Yeah, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like call out the you know, the group of twelve dudes who decided one day to you know do this instead of that when they're playing the stickball game. <laughs> That's boring. Right. True so, story. Mr. Abner. Yeah. There you go, buddy. We salute you. Good Thank friend you of the so week. So much for what you've done. For me, I don't know. You have a different one, right? I yeah. What if I had? The same exact Also Abner. One. Yeah, I don't know if the yeah. I don't know. My if... good friend of the week is Abner Doubleday, <laughs> the rumored creator of basketball too, weirdly. Like what? No, dog, that's yeah. James Naismith. Um my oh my god, you're like an encyclopedia. Hello. Um so my good friend of the week is literally the entire cast of Furious Seven, which I saw yesterday and wept through like are you noticing a trend of our topics today i cried through everything yeah you're emotional these days i don't know what it is i'm really emotional i think i'm have i think my um once a year period is like really starting to kick in but your basically butt, your, butt period, <laughs> your butt period your butt period my butt period as as our listeners probably know by now i bleed out of my asshole once a year um and usually that's a pretty emotionally intense time yeah that would be right about now. So I saw Furious 7 yesterday, which is the seventh film in the never-ending Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, and it's literally so good. They're all so good, but that one is so good. <laughs> They're, and it's really emotional because, as as you may remember, um, actor Paul Walker, who plays Brian O'Connell um, in the Fast and the Furious series, died in 2013. That's why the series isn't never-ending. Say what? That's why the series isn't never-ending. I don't know. Do you think they'll do any more without him? Yeah, I mean, he was, like, one of the main dudes. He was, but do you think they'll stop doing them? Probably. I think I think it would be really tacky if they did. I, I will say this. I do hope it's the last one. I do feel like they're at least going to make the last one. I don't know if the studios will be as respectful, mm. but I don't think this cast that we've pretty much been watching for 14 years is going to come back it's funny Um, that because i find this series this series kind of perplexing because admittedly i haven't seen one since um fast and furious 2 too fast too furious oh you haven't seen any of them since i didn't see tokyo drift and i didn't see four (laughs) five six or seven um i will say that i'm kind of surprised that people still love the series even though the people who act in it are like pieces of rock slab (laughs) it's like paul walker who rest in peace the guy you know had a great career not the greatest actor not the greatest actor he's really good looking beautiful and that's about it that's about enough Uh, and then vin diesel sounds like uh yeah i don't know it sounds like someone jammed a frog down like 
it's, you know, Howard Stern's throat or something. No, totally. I feel like Vin Diesel is what happens if a toad, like, had sex with, like, a tree stump or something. (laughs) If a toad had sex with Rocky Balboa. Vin Diesel's one there, the baby would shit out. Is that a sentient piece of turd? Yeah. His name is Vin. Vin! If I've ever seen one. Yeah. What do you think of the rumors that Vin Diesel's gay? Is he gay? I've heard that rumor. I mean, let's be real. These movies are like so teeming with masculinity that they honestly become like brutally homosexual like they're just so intensely like male driven like there's literally a scene in this movie where jason statham is like in one car and vin diesel is in another and they both are bald and look literally like veiny erections behind a car and they like speed up towards each other and the cars like spoiler alert crash right into each other for no reason it's the craziest scene and it literally looks like a mechanical equivalent of an orgasm it's the weirdest scene i've ever seen in like a major movie because it makes no sense and you just have these two like veiny balls driving and at that moment i was literally like is this the gayest movie i've ever seen in my life like literally i'm not sure they're so weird but that's also why i love them like the bromance is like in full effect like 86 percent of the script in this one is literally vin diesel like finding a way to like push his mouth out of his turd body to like utter the word family (laughs) he literally nonstop is like "Uh, we do this for family like every minute he can Yeah, literally, there's a scene where, like, I won't explain how or why, because I actually can't, not because of spoilers, but they, like, decide to, like, go to, like, some um, country, like, in the Caucasus Mountains, like, through the Caucasus Mountains, so some, like, plane shoots out seven cars, and they, like, parachute down onto, like, the freeway below, or whatever. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, just, like, totally casual, totally casual transportation, Um, and, like, as his, like, Mustang GTO is like pair like free falling at like a million miles per hour and he's like walkie talkie talking to like ludicrous and like the car flying next to him. He's literally like, We do this for a family like as his car is about to like crash land into a mountain. Mm. I was just screaming. I was like, What is this testicle talking about? Mm. The movies are just so crazy. But like as like not only was I like weeping at the end because the ending like sort of like even if the movies continue like the movies acknowledge paul walker's like departure in like a very specific way that's like really crazy and like really weirdly um meta not even met i mean not meta like not meta would be like if <laughs> if his character was like <laughs> to die in a car accident yeah. after a charity <laughs> event but like literally it's like it doesn't yeah. so, it's like uh it's diff I, I don't know i don't know how how to explain like what it does it sort of knows that you're going into it with like yeah. that already in your mind you know right, it kind of right. like lingers in the whole movie you know right and like you know it's like one last ride i like won't spoil how it is in case anyone sees it but like when i was leaving i was just like thinking about these movies and like you know they're really weird and like you know the last real big huge franchise that we have that's like totally original like it's not based on anything it's not based on like a comic book or like a toy or like a young adult novel it's like yeah like a totally original franchise for whatever it is and like i don't know it's like really a rate it's like a racially diverse cast and they're like leading a multi-billion dollar franchise 
and like I don't know it's like a weirdly progressive series of action movies and like you don't really see a lot of movies like this even though they're like dumb they're kind of like I don't know fiercely important in some weird way yeah I no. feel like well that's cool maybe I'll have to do some catch up and watch some uh <laughs> Um, you literally have to because as I learned from my look, because I've seen I've seen them all. I have been following, but like they're literally the timeline is so unnecessarily crazy. Like the third one, Tokyo Drift, technically takes place between the last movie and this movie, and like four and five oh, really? and six are prequels to Tokyo Drift. Whoa. Like it's so unnecessarily confusing. That's really dumb. It's really weird. Like, it's just really, like, the timeline is overly invented. But I don't know. Yeah, I think these, if this is the last movie, I don't know if it is, but if it is, and we now are looking at Furious 7 as, like, the final chapter of this, like, fifth, like, decade and a half long franchise, I have to sort of, like, tip my hat to, like, this crazy series of movies that, like, literally started take like once took place in like central la and like the craziest action scene in the first one was like when two cars jump past train tracks right as a train's passing that's like the craziest thing that happened in the first one until and now we're at like number seven which takes place in abu dhabi and has like a like a plane like a car flying through three abu dhabi skyscrapers it's like i don't know this movie is really really crazy this franchise has grown a lot and i was emotionally stirred at the end when they say goodbye to paul walker and i'll say this these movies certainly don't seem to promote safe driving habits That's the Slate article that's going to come out on Monday. Like, why we need to talk about driving ethics in Fast and the Furious. Like, ugh, blow me. I hate the internet. Um, No, it does not promote safe driving. In fact, it actively tells you to drive crazy for no reason. (laughs) Literally for no reason. Good. Um, So, yeah, everyone should see Furious 7 and literally bring a box of lotion-coated Kleenex because it's really emotional. (laughs) All right, do you want to get to, to the uh, Devil Tongue of the Week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you bet I do. So, Devil Tongue of the Week goes to a literal piece of pop culture slime that I like to call Rita Ora. Who is she? I could not tell you i could not tell you a single song by her a single album title of hers a single movie i couldn't tell you what brand she's the face of but i can tell you that i totally know who she is and i'm pissed about it (laughs) yeah no i mean the name sounds familiar i'm aware she exists i don't know why 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 do we know she exists I don't know. Isn't she's she's uh, famous in in the UK? Isn't she? I don't know. I kind of feel like everyone there is like who? I feel like everyone in the world is like, wait, who? I think she's more famous over there. I mean, she's definitely more famous there. She's like their version of Rihanna, but she's still like not that famous. Not Do you talented. Know what I mean? Like yeah. Like I just don't understand why she's everywhere. Like let me paint you a picture. Me, in a dark theater, in London, watching Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm chilling, and the camera is following Christian Grey and Anastasia Steele as they walk into Christian's mother's house for dinner one night. And as um, as Anastasia's, like, taking off her jacket, 
we hear from off screen, oh, Christian. And Christian is like, oh, that's my sister, Mia. The camera turns. It's literally Rita Ora in a crazy Uma Thurman Pulp Fiction wig. And I let out a screech in the theater because I was so pissed off. Why are you pissed off? She's an actor. She's in a movie. Is she, oh, do how literally dare you? She'd be like, how, why are you pissed off? She's an actress. She's not anything. She's literally yes. just a human who keeps go. showing up places. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay, wait. Uh, I counter your your um, Rita Ora argument with Kim Kardashian, who actually oh, I'm going to doesn't do anything. Stop. What is her? What does she do? <laughs> she is her. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally herself. She's Kim Kardashian. Okay. She's Kim Kardashian. Like, look. Let me tell you this. Like, I'm not saying. I'm not mad at Rita Ora for being famous for being famous. I'm mad at Rita Ora for being famous under the presumption that she is a cultural contributor. Kim Kardashian, at the very least, is, like, widely accepted to be, like, a reality TV star who had a sex tape and is, like, pretty much just a glorified supermodel. Oh, my but, like, God. Rita, like, pretty it's much. quite the resume. Wait, what? It's quite the resume Kim Kardashian's got. You know, it, it, reality shows, sex resume. tape. Hey, I would submit that at a job application, 14-point font. You have to fill the page somehow. There's not that much. Um, But Rita, literally, I don't know a single thing she's done. I just keep seeing her at, like, American award shows, sitting next to, like, whoever is popular for that week. That's too bad. I have nothing negative to say about Rita Ora because I don't know who she is. (laughs) That is the negative thing. That's the most negative thing. I literally just want her to be murdered. Wouldn't you love to wake up in the morning? Like, what would the push notification say? Singer Rita Ora murdered? I Actress Rita Ora murdered? I don't know if I... I don't know. I know something I think, about alerts. And I, I think I don't know the article like would literally say, person found dead. And you'd open it, and six paragraphs in, they'd be like, the body was found to belong to Rita Ora, 27. London resident? Like, no one would even know what to call her. More like Rita Bora. <laughs> Dorita Oral. That's what I'm going to call Dorito it. Oral. I hate her so much. If I saw her crossing the street, I would speed up. <laughs> That's harsh, and you could get arrested for saying that. Um, I literally would go to jail, and I'd be like, tell me who this person I killed is. You can't. So you can't put me in jail. <laughs> All right. Well, that makes Rita Ora the devil tongue of the week, so give her the tongue. All right, and I'll say, uh, yeah, listeners, email us, goodfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Goodfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to vote. Who would you rather dismember you, Isis or Robert Durst? Vote on that. (laughs) Um, And I think that's it, right? I think that's it. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Janet for, you know, managing to once again prove that animals can do anything if they put their mind to it. (laughs) Thank you so much for editing this episode. Yeah, thanks, Janet. And now, get to work. Get to work. (laughs) Okay, that was good. That was hot. That was hot. That turned me on. Uh, Give a little time for the child within you Don't be afraid to be young and free Undo the locks and throw away the keys And take off your shoes and socks and run you